Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about urinary tract infections. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash UTI or in the infectious diseases section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Lower urinary tract infections involve infection in the bladder causing cystitis, which is inflammation of the bladder. Pyelonephritis refers to inflammation of the kidney resulting from bacterial infection. The inflammation affects the renal pelvis, which is the join between the kidney and the ureter, the tube coming away from the kidney, as well as the parenchyma of the kidney, which is the kidney tissue. Urinary tract infections are far more common in women because the urethra is much shorter, making it easier for bacteria to get up into the bladder. The primary source of bacteria for urinary tract infections is from faeces. Normal intestinal bacteria, such as E. coli, can make the short journey from the anus to the urethral opening and then up the urethra into the bladder. Sexual activity is a crucial method for spreading bacteria around the perineum. Incontinence and poor hygiene can also contribute to the development of UTIs. Urinary catheters are a key source of infection and catheter-associated urinary tract infections tend to be more significant and challenging to treat. Let's talk about the presentation. Lower urinary tract infections present with dysuria, which is pain, stinging or burning when passing urine, suprapubic pain or discomfort just above the pubic bone at the bottom of the abdomen, urinary frequency going more often than normal, urinary urgency getting a sudden urge and need to pass urine, incontinence of urine, hematuria or blood in the urine, cloudy or foul-smelling urine, and confusion is commonly the only symptom in older or frail patients. Pyelonephritis, or upper urinary tract infections, have a similar presentation to lower urinary tract infections, plus the additional triad of symptoms of fever, loin or back pain, which may be bilateral or unilateral, and nausea or vomiting. Patients with pyelonephritis may also have systemic illness, loss of appetite, hematuria or blood in the urine, and renal angle tenderness on examination. A Tom tip for you, it's important to distinguish between patients with a lower urinary tract infection and those with pyelonephritis. Pyelonephritis is generally a more serious condition with significant complications, including sepsis and kidney scarring. Suspect pyelonephritis in patients with fever, loin or back pain, nausea or vomiting, and renal angle tenderness on examination. Next, let's talk about urine dipstick testing. Nitrites on a dipstick test suggest bacteria in the urine. Gram-negative bacteria such as E. coli break down nitrates, a normal waste product in the urine, into nitrites. 
Leukocytes are white blood cells. It's normal to have a small number of leukocytes in the urine, but a significant rise can result from an infection or other cause of inflammation. Leukocyte esterase is what's tested on the urine dipstick, which is a product of leukocytes and indicates the number of leukocytes in the urine. Red blood cells in the urine indicates blood. Microscopic hematuria is where blood is identified on a urine dipstick but not seen when looking at the sample. Macroscopic hematuria is where blood is visible in the urine. Hematuria is a common sign of infection but can also be present in other causes such as bladder cancer or nephritis. Nitrites are a better indication of infection than leukocytes. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries revised in June 2023 suggest that the presence of nitrates or the combination of leukocytes and red blood cells indicates that the patient is likely to have a UTI. However, it's worth noting that dipstick results are less reliable in catheterized patients and women over 65. If only nitrites are present, it's worth treating as a UTI. If only leukocytes are present, the patient should not be treated as a UTI unless there's clinical evidence that they have one and a urine sample should be sent for microscopy, culture and sensitivities. A midstream urine or MSU sample sent to the lab for microscopy, culture and sensitivity testing will determine the infective organism and the antibiotics that are effective in treatment. Not all patients with an uncomplicated urinary tract infection require a midstream urine sample sent to the lab. However, an MSU is important in pregnant patients, patients with recurrent urinary tract infections, atypical symptoms, and when the symptoms do not improve with antibiotics. Next, let's go through the causes. The most common cause of urinary tract infections is Escherichia coli or E. coli. E. coli are gram-negative, anaerobic, rod-shaped bacteria that are part of the normal lower intestinal microbiome. They can be found in feces and can easily spread to the bladder. Other causes of urinary tract infections include Klebsiella pneumoniae, which is a gram-negative anaerobic rod-shaped bacteria, Enterococcus, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Staphylococcus saprophyticus and Candida albicans, which is a fungus. Next, let's go through the management of lower urinary tract infections. Follow the local guidelines as these reflect the local antibiotic resistance patterns. An appropriate initial antibiotic in the community would be nitrofurantoin, which should be avoided in patients with an EGFR of less than 45, or trimethoprim, but this is often associated with high rates of bacterial resistance. Alternative choices are pivmacillinam, amoxicillin, and cephalexin. The typical duration of antibiotics are three days of antibiotics for simple lower urinary tract infections in women, 
5 to 10 days of antibiotics for immunosuppressed women, abnormal anatomy or impaired kidney function, and 7 days of antibiotics for men, pregnant women and catheter-related urinary tract infections. It's worth noting that NICE recommend changing the catheter as soon as possible in someone diagnosed with a catheter-related urinary tract infection. Next, let's talk about the management of pyelonephritis. Referral to hospital is required if there are features of sepsis or it's not safe to manage the patient in the community. The NICE guidelines from 2018 recommend the following first-line oral antibiotics for 7 to 10 days when treating pyelonephritis in the community. The options are kefalexin, coamoxiclav if the culture results are available, trimethoprim if the culture results are available, or ciprofloxacin, although you need to keep tendon damage and a lower seizure threshold in mind when using ciprofloxacin. Patients admitted to hospital with sepsis require the sepsis 6, which includes a serum lactate, blood cultures, urine output monitoring, oxygen, empirical broad-spectrum antibiotics, and IV fluids. Two things to keep in mind with patients that have significant symptoms or do not respond well to treatment are a renal abscess or a kidney stone obstructing the ureter causing pyelonephritis. Finally, let's talk about urinary tract infections in pregnancy. In pregnancy, UTIs increase the risk of pyelonephritis, premature rupture of membranes, and preterm labour. The management in pregnancy is slightly different. Urinary tract infections in pregnancy require 7 days of antibiotics and all women should have a midstream urine sample sent to the lab for microscopy, culture and sensitivity testing. Antibiotic choices in pregnancy are nitrofurantoin, which is avoided in the third trimester, amoxicillin only after sensitivities are known, and cephalexin, which is the usual choice in pregnancy. Nitrofurantoin needs to be avoided in the third trimester as there's a risk of neonatal hemolysis or destruction of the neonatal red blood cells. Trimethoprim needs to be avoided in the first trimester as it works as a folate antagonist. Folate is essential in early pregnancy for the normal development of the fetus. Trimethoprim in early pregnancy can cause congenital malformations, particularly neural tube defects, for example spina bifida. Trimethoprim is not known to be harmful later in pregnancy, but it's generally avoided and less necessary. So thanks for listening to this episode on urinary tract infections. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. His website is harrywatchman.co.uk. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about skin and soft tissue infections.